Well, good morning. It's quite a rousing welcome. Thank you very much. Um, I'm not used to getting that every Sunday morning. As Ron mentioned, my name is Jason Hill. I, I work with, uh, I'm a chaplain at Fort Eustis, and I work with students in what's known as uh, Advanced Individual Training, AIT. You guys that have been in the Army know what that is. Those of you who don't, that's where soldiers go when they get done basic training to learn their job to do in the Army. Well, chapel service is at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and there are some that are glad to be there, excited to be there, want to worship the Lord, and they'll greet you with a rousing good morning. But then there's a lot of the soldiers who come to chapel because it's an escape from the chores of the morning in the barracks. It keeps them from cleaning up the company area and, and allows them an escape from their evil taskmaster, also known as their platoon sergeant. But God uses interesting things to bring people to chapel service, and it's a great mission field. It's a great, wonderful calling uh, as a chaplain in the military. One that's very re rewarding, too. And so uh, we thank you as chaplains for your prayers for us. There's quite a few of us here uh, that attend Grace that are chaplains in the military, and so we thank you. Thank you for your prayers, and ask you to continue to pray for us, uh, both here in the States and as we go overseas uh, downrange to uh, engage in helping soldiers while they fight our nation's wars. Well, I want to begin this morning by asking you a question, and the question is this. Has there ever been a time in your life when you knew you had to do something and you really didn't want to do it? And so you exerted a great amount of effort, a great amount of energy to avoid doing what you had to do at all costs. Anybody? Yeah. Thought I was the only one. When I was a kid, I had a job as a paper boy. It was in the days when papers were delivered in the afternoon. People, you guys remember this? And they were delivered by kids on bicycles after school. You remember this? I used to love my paper route. I couldn't wait to get home from school to grab my papers, wrap them up, and ride my bike through the neighborhood and just chuck them at the houses. And I loved it. I loved it Monday through Thursday, but I hated it on Friday. Because on Friday, I had to knock on people's doors and ask them for money. See, it was in the days back when you delivered the papers and you had to knock on the door and collect the money that was owed to you by your customers. Uh, but I hated that. I hated it so much that I avoided it at all costs. I had a bill that was due to me by the paper, and I would always tell my parents, ah, nobody was home. Yeah, they weren't, they weren't there. I, uh, I would ride out to collect and not knock on doors because I was afraid of people for some reason. And so I avoided collecting money like the plague. And every weekend, I was so afraid to ask people for the money that they owed me for doing the job that my bill got behind. And so it got so bad that my parents made, made themselves go with me to knock on doors to ensure that I collected the money. But every weekend, every Friday, every Saturday, I came up to the point where I had a point of personal conflict within my heart because I really didn't want to collect money from people and I tried to avoid it. And that, that fear in me caused a personal conflict within to collect money every time I had to do it. Now that might sound simple, might sound a bit trivial, but how often is it true that God brings us to a point of obedience and we seek to avoid it? There are moments in our lives, and dare I say moments every day, that God brings us to a point of re obedient response to his word. And yet, oftentimes, we find ourselves avoiding it or ignoring it. How often do we find ourselves in moments of personal conflict because God has brought us to a point where we know we need to respond to him in obedience to do a specific thing, but yet we tend to push it off, tend to ignore it. As we read God's word and he tells us to bear each other's burdens, do we quickly help our brothers and sisters that are in need or do we avoid certain people because I don't want to engage in a conversation with them about their issues because they're going to talk for a very long time and I really don't want to take the time out of my schedule to listen. Or do we intentionally avoid people because we're afraid we're going to get pulled into the drama of their lives? 
And as we read God's word and he tells us in there to make disciples and he tells us to preach the gospel, do we willingly do that when God opens the door? Or do we avoid it? Do we ignore it? Or do we limit who we tell the gospel to to a select few people that we think will listen to us? Friends, living in obedience to God what's going to lead us to points of obedient response to his word that's going to require us to do things that we don't always like, things that aren't always comfortable. And as we'll see today in our text, God has called each one of us to obediently take the message of the gospel to the world around us. Take the message of his mercy and his grace to people that need it. And obediently following that call is going to lead us to people and to places that we would never think of going to. Obedience to the call of God to take the gospel to the world around us might lead us away from our homeland to different cities in the United States or countries around the world. And before you begin to think that this message is about foreign missions, it's not. Hear what I say. This call by God to take the gospel message to the world around us might lead us to within our very own homes, our very own families, people who need, the people that we love, people that we know, people in our neighborhoods, people that we work out with, people that we go to class with. And the question that is the question of the day is, are we willing to go where God sends us to take the message of the gospel to those that need it? Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of Jonah. Tiny book of Jonah. I think your bulletin has the page number, and I was going to write that down and totally forgot. I didn't avoid it, just forgot it. But it's Jonah chapter 1 is what we'll look at today, and we'll look at the whole chapter. And in the book of Jonah, we'll meet a very reluctant prophet a prophet that sought to avoid the call of God to be a messenger of his mercy to a people that he really didn't like. The book of Jonah, in fact, is a book all about God's mercy. In here we meet Jonah, who's supposed to be the messenger of God's mercy, who later on finds himself along with a band of sailors and the people of Nineveh as the objects of God's mercy. And all throughout the book of Jonah, we see God himself, who is the giver of mercy. And in this text today, we'll see that it's very clear that the call to deliver the message of the gospel is there, it's clear, it's inescapable, and it's something that each one of us as God's people must surrender to every day. But before we look at Jonah, let's pray and ask the Lord to be our teacher this morning. Father God, we do thank you for your word, and we do thank you for its truth. And Father, we know that at times it's not always easy to obey it. But I pray that this morning you would bring conviction in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Conviction to be those that would willingly obey you to be a messenger of the gospel to those around us. I pray that you clear our hearts and minds right now. That you allow us to focus on you and on your word. And please teach us and change us through it. And I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Jonah chapter 1. Let's begin in verse 1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. We don't know much about Jonah outside of this book and a couple other occasions in Scripture. He's mentioned in 2 Kings, and he's also mentioned by the Lord Jesus himself in the Gospels. But in the account of Jonah in 2 Kings, you read that he was a prophet during the reign of King Jeroboam II of Israel. And King Jeroboam was an evil king that led the people of Israel astray from God. But yet in the midst of their wickedness, in the midst of their faithlessness, God was merciful to them. When Israel found themselves at a time where they were alone and had no one to help them, God, enriched in his mercy, protected them. And during the time of Jeroboam, expanded their borders. He prospered them. And so Jonah was alive at a time in Israel when he and his nation and his people experienced the mercy of God firsthand. 
So he knew what the mercy of God was like. But at the time of Jonah's ministry, and the time that Jonah, we read about here in, in this book, the Assyrian Empire was one of the most dominant empires of the day. They were also one of the most merciless, most ruthless people that existed. And on the bank, east banks of the Tigris River, in which today is the modern-day city of Mosul, Iraq, sat Nineveh, which was the capital city of the, of the Assyrian Empire. And it was to Nineveh that God was sending Jonah with a message of mercy and grace, a message of God's impending wrath against them. You know, there's many times in Scripture where a prophet has been called to, to pronounce judgment against a foreign nation, but they had the luxury of pronouncing that judgment from their own homeland. But yet Jonah receives a call from God to leave his homeland and go into the heart of another nation, the heart of a foreign nation, its capital city, and cry out against it. And for Jonah, that posed a very, very big problem. You see, there's two major things to understand about Israel and Assyria to understand the background of, of this book and understand the background of why Jonah acted the way he did. And the first one is this, is that Assyria and Israel were enemies. And the second one is that Jonah hated the Ninevites. And so when Jonah received this call from God, he had to react shocked, like, God, what? You, I'm sorry, what did you say? You want me to do what? You want me to go where? It would be the equivalent of being a Jewish person in the days of World War II and being given a call from God to go to Germany and to warn the Nazi regime of their demise and call them to repentance. It was a major thing for Jonah to have to be called to do this. And God wasn't just calling them to any foreign nation. It was the nation of their greatest enemy. And he's calling Jonah, one man, to walk into a city of his enemies and tell them that they're going to be destroyed. Because the message wasn't nice that he was supposed to give. Later on in, in verse uh, 4 of chapter 3, we see that the message Jonah gave was, was this. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. No talk of God's grace. No talk of his mercy. But yet while this message is one of an impending doom, it carried with it the understanding that overthrow to Nineveh was coming if they didn't repent. That destruction was coming. Judgment of God was coming unless you repent. And Jeremiah chapter 18 gives us some pretty good insight to this message from God. You know, there God sends Jeremiah to see a potter. Sends him to a potter's house to watch a potter work with clay. And as the potter worked with the clay, when it didn't take the shape that he wanted, he destroyed it and started all over again. And God told Jeremiah that the nations of the earth were clay in his hands, and he was the potter. And when a nation didn't look and do as he pleased, he brought it down and built it back up again. And this is what he told Jeremiah in chapter 18, starting in verse 7. He said, If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck it up and break it down or destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I have intended to do to it. And God could have wiped out Nineveh in a heartbeat if he wanted to. But he gives him 40 days. 40 days, and then judgment's coming. And when he offered these 40 days, he was offering the Ninevites an opportunity to repent. It was as if God was saying to, to the Ninevites through Jonah, listen, you can stay the way you are and you can die in my wrath, or you can turn to me and live. What a message of mercy and grace. You can stay the way you are or die in my wrath, 
where you can turn to me and live. And friends, that message is true today for us as it was back in the days of Jonah. There are those that we live with, those that we work with, even those that we worship with that need to hear such a warning. There are those that we all know and love that need to hear the cry, turn to God and live. And God has placed each one of us into their lives to share that message, the message of the gospel with them. You can stay the way you are and die in God's wrath, or you can turn to him and live. But you know, the call to obediently proclaim that message to people often puts so many of us at a point of personal conflict. You know, Jonah, on his initial call from God, found himself in a position that many of us find ourselves in. Do I do what God commands, which I know is not going to be popular, it's not going to be something that I like all the time, and it may not even be something I'm comfortable with, or do I do what's comfortable for me, what's popular with others, and in doing so, disobey God? You know, from a human perspective, God's call to Jonah put him in a pretty tight position. If he didn't call the, the Ninevites to repent, and they didn't repent, and God judged them and destroyed them, guess what? That's one less enemy Israel's got to deal with. That's one less enemy Jonah and his people got to deal with. But on the other hand, if Jonah did obey God, and he did preach the message to Nineveh, and they did repent, Jonah would potentially have to face the wrath of his people for warning their, their prime enemy of their destruction and being the cause for them to turn to God and to receive God's blessing. But it's interesting to note here with Jonah and with every other passage in Scripture where God calls someone to do something, he never asks them if they'd be willing to do it. He always commands them to go. Think about it. God didn't ask Moses if he might be interested in going to Egypt to confront Pharaoh and ask him um, if it wouldn't bother him to let the people go. No. God commanded him to do it. Moses tried to argue, and we know that's an argument he didn't win. God told him to go. And God didn't ask Abraham if he'd be willing to pick up his family if it didn't inconvenience him and go to the land that God would lead him. No. God told him to go. And God didn't ask Jonah if he would like to consider taking the assignment of going to Nineveh to proclaim the message of, of God's coming judgment to them and his mercy and grace. No. God told him to do it. And the same is true for us as Christians. As a Christian, we have been called by God to deliver the message of the gospel the gospel of mercy and grace that comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. Jesus, in Matthew 28 and Mark 16, commissioned his disciples, and he commissions you and me to proclaim the gospel, to make disciples. And this is a call of Christ to us as his people. Proclaim the gospel. This call is not something that God suggests to us. It's not something that God recommends to us. It's not something that God asks us to do if we can fit it into our busy schedule. It's a command by God. It's a call. It's not our choice. It's our calling in life. But the truth is, delivering God's message to others is not always easy, is it? God called Jonah to go into the midst of a hostile environment, to the midst of hostile people. The people of Nineveh were hostile towards the, the, the people of God and the God of the Israelites. In fact, history tells us that the Assyrians thought that their God was most, more powerful than any God around because they had defeated the Israelites. They thought the Israelites' God was nothing. But Jonah was called by God to go into this hostile land and tell them that his God was about to wipe them out. And so we, like Jonah, have been called to take the message of the gospel into a hostile environment, into a hostile world, to a hot, people that are hostile towards God. When we live in obedience to God and we take this message of salvation, the message of the gospel to the world around us, 
We get labeled, don't we? We get labeled things such as intolerant, arrogant, narrow-minded. Just ask the CEO from Chick-fil-A. In fact, when we live and we speak the truth of God's word and we speak the message of repentance, we're not always going to be popular with those that we talk to. The truth is we don't know if walking in obedience to God is going to cost us a relationship with someone. We don't know if it's going to cost us some comforts in this life. And we don't know if walking in obedience to God is going to result in being sent to another country to take the gospel to people there. Or if it's going to bring us to a point where we need to make a stand for the Lord, to hold on and stand for his truth. It's not going to be in our favor. We don't know. But all we know is that God has called us to obedience. And all we know is God's called us to go and make disciples, to proclaim the message of the gospel, the message of his mercy and grace to those around us. And it may not always be pretty, and it may not always be popular, but it's what God commands and it's right. And through that obedience, God uses us to bring his people to himself. Think about that for a moment. All of us in here who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ through repentance of our sin, at some point or another, God sent someone to you. And God's attitude to you was mercy and grace. And so why should we not share that same attitude with those that are around us? The truth is we need to take a lesson from Jonah when we are obediently following his call. We need to realize that God's mercy and his grace extends far beyond our human comprehension. Just look at Jonah. God's love isn't limited to a specific group of people of national so of a national origin, let me say that. God's love and God's mercy isn't limited to a certain country. It's not limited to those who hold to a certain position of, of uh, theology. I'm getting in trouble for saying that one, right? In a Presbyterian church. It's not limited to those who hold Reformed theology. Let me just say that. It's not limited to Presbyterians, Methodists, or Baptists, although as a child I thought it was only Baptists going to heaven. But the Bible tells us that God knows those that are his. And he tells us that his people are in every tribe, in every nation, and in every tongue. And we need to be conscious to avoid the attitude that Jonah had, an attitude of national elitism, or in our, in our case, denominational elitism. But we need to be attentive to those that, the opportunities that God opens to us, to those around us. Because little did Jonah know that God had prepared Nineveh already to receive his message. And God prepares those around us to receive the message of his mercy and grace. Those he's calling to himself, he's working on inside. And so we need to be obedient because truthfully we know that not only is this call clear, but this call to take the gospel is inescapable. Let's begin again reading in verse 3. Jonah, it says, but Jonah, flee to, uh, Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish after getting this call from God. He rose to flee to Tarshish to flee from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship, was about, the ship was threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and was laying down and was fast asleep. So the captain said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise and call out to your God. Perhaps the God will have a thought to us. That we, that we might not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let's cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry lands. 
Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is it that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. You know, perhaps Jonah was afraid to go to Nineveh because he thought that they were ruthless and vicious towards people that were their enemies. Maybe that made him be afraid. Maybe Jonah knew that going into the heart of Assyria to cry out against them was a suicide mission. But maybe, and just perhaps, as we read in chapter 4 of the book of Jonah, Jonah knew that if he preached the message to the Assyrians and they repented, they would receive God's blessing over his people who had turned from the Lord. And so Jonah attempted to run as far away as possible from Nineveh. He wanted nothing to do with that call. God told him in his initial call to arise and go. Well, Jonah rose all right. He arose and went in the total opposite direction, which at that time was the other end of the world. And so Jonah ran from the call of God. And verse 3 tells us that his objective was clear. It was to flee from the presence of God. He was trying to get out of doing what God had called him to do. And he thought that if he ran long enough, if he ran far enough, that he wouldn't have to do it. That's funny, isn't it? Here's a prophet of God. A man that knows God, that man that knows that God is inescapable, and he's trying to run from him. You know, it's very possible that Jonah thought that if he ran far enough and if he ran long enough, that he would, wouldn't have to do what God called him to do. And it's very possible that Jonah thought that if he ran far enough and if he ran long enough, that God would call someone else to do the job that he was called to do. But my friends, how much can we be like Jonah? How, much, how, easy, it us, is this, how easy is it for us speak much? How easy it is for us to think that if we can avoid the call long enough, that we don't have to do what God called us to do and proclaim the gospel to those around us. How easy is it for us to believe that if we can run long enough and run far enough, that there's plenty of other people around us that would willingly take the job to share the gospel with those around them. How easy is it for us to think that since it's not my spiritual gifting, I don't have to go tell people about the gospel. I'll leave that to those that have that gift. My friends... As a blood-bought and redeemed child of God, you are a messenger of the gospel. You are a messenger of God's grace. You are a voice that God uses to proclaim the gospel to those walking in darkness. You are a voice that God uses, and through you, as an instrument, he brings his people to himself. We've been called by God, set apart to shine his light into the dark world that's around us. It's often one of the most difficult things to do, isn't it? One of the most difficult things to do to go and tell somebody that the way they're living is leading them straight down to the wrath of God. It's a difficult thing to do to tell somebody that the way they're living is leading them to eternal torment. But if we knew that our friends and our loved ones were walking into a minefield, I think we would do all that we could to, to keep them from going into it. That we would warn them, we would tell them, we would do everything we could to have them avoid going to their, their doom their destruction. So why should it be any different with somebody's eternal destination? Those that we know and love, and even those we don't particularly care for, like the case of Jonah, those that don't know Christ, those that haven't repented of their sins, are walking moment by moment into everlasting punishment. And the question that I raised to us this morning is, how much do we care for their souls? How much do we care for their salvation? Friends, don't run from speaking the gospel to other people. Don't shy away from telling other people about the mercy and the grace of God that's found only in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't run away from warning someone and telling them how they can be saved from God's wrath. God has called us to it, and we cannot, like Jonah, run away from it. The mission is clear. 
deliver the message. It's not like Mission Impossible where it's, this is your mission should you choose to accept it. No, it's our call by God. And Jonah didn't want to take the message to Nineveh because he hated the Ninevites. And maybe you can identify with that. Maybe there's someone that you know at work, someone in your own family, someone that you work with in your neighborhood, or someone that you know that really rubs you the wrong way. But you know they need to hear the gospel. But you purposely avoid bringing up the topic with them. My friend, I encourage you today to seek forgiveness from the Lord and rely upon his power through the Holy Spirit that's within you to courageously share the gospel message with that person. Jonah kind of had an initial response of, of avoidance of the call, and he also had a, a little bit of a spiritual indifference in his response to God's call. We see that in verse 5. God hurled his great wind on the sea, and the ship was all over the place. It was a, and then the people that were on the boat were doing everything they could to try to, to, make, to, to survive, to try to make it through this storm. That is everyone except for Jonah. Where was Jonah? He was in the ship asleep underneath. It's almost as if Jonah was at peace with his disobedience and almost as if he could care less about what happened to himself or the people that were around him. And like Jonah, it's easy for us to become spiritually indifferent. It's, spirit, it's easy for us to become spiritually complacent in our lives, not caring one way or another about the people around us. We can get so busy, so caught up in life that we only have time to focus on us. And we can become so spiritually complacent about the salvation of the people around us. Well, my friends, I encourage you today to care. I encourage you today to be concerned for the souls of the people around you, people in your family, people in your neighborhood, people in your workplace, wherever it is the Lord sends you. And I encourage you this morning to begin to pray for the people around you. Begin to pray for their salvation and ask the Lord for the opportunities that he would give you to open the door to share the gospel with them. Because the truth is, as much as we might believe that we can run far enough from this call from God, to proclaim the gospel to the world, we can never escape those that need to hear it. We're surrounded by them every day. We live in a world much, that, that's full of people much like the sailors in the boat with Jonah. People that are trying to please every God but the one true God. We live in a culture in which a lot of people are very spiritual. It's a big thing these days to be spiritual. I talk to soldiers all the time that I ask them about their walk with the Lord and they say, I'm spiritual. We live in a world where people say they're spiritual, but they never surrendered their heart and their life to the one true God, the God of the Bible, the Lord Jesus Christ. But we need to be willing. We need to be obedient to engage these people in conversation. Talk to them with, about the truth of God's word. Talk to them about their sin. Talk to them about repentance. Talk to them about grace and salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show us, allow us to see and to seize those moments to share the gospel. So I ask you today, are you running from God? I ask myself today, am I running from God? As you sit here and you hear these words, has God placed someone or, someone or some people on your heart that you know need to hear of his mercy and his grace? If so, how much do they matter to you? How much do you care for their souls? Remember that we are redeemed today through Christ and come to repentance and faith in him because God sent someone to tell us of his love and his mercy and grace. In our text, we see that when Jonah's sin was exposed, there was nothing that he really could do about it except to surrender himself to the mercy and justice of God. We pick that up in verse 11. There it says, Then they said to him, the mariner said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea might quiet down for us? 
for the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me in the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, hurled him in the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Truth is, we cannot escape obedience to God. We might be able to run for a while, but we can never escape the presence of the Lord. You know, in these verses, we see that God wasn't going to let Jonah get away with disobedience. But yet in the midst of the storm that God hurled in the sea, God gave Jonah a lesson in mercy. Through these pagan sailors, God showed Jonah what mercy looked like. Mercy that he didn't have for people that God was sending them to. Here were some men that were just going about their job, getting ready to set out for sail on the sea, and here comes Jonah on their boat, carrying the wrath of God with them. And these men did all they could to save Jonah's life. So as a last resort, at the request of Jonah, they threw him in the sea. And through this, God showed a great, incredible picture of mercy to Jonah. He brought these sailors to him. These sailors, what to say? They made vows to God. But God wasn't going to let Jonah get away with this disobedience. And it could be that Jonah believed that his life was over because he ran from God. But God had other plans, didn't he? Another great display of God's grace that Jonah didn't have for the people he was, God was sending him to. God already prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. He prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah to preserve his life and to bring Jonah to a point of surrender, a, surrender, a point of surrender to the call that God had initially given him to proclaim, proclaim the message of mercy and grace. You know, one has to wonder that if Jonah thought that God was going to issue him the death sentence through drowning for his disobedience. But on the other hand, Jonah could have thought maybe that God... Uh, was going to rescue him. We don't know. But we do know that Jonah knew the issue was between him and God. Jonah knew that God was after him. Jonah knew that God's pursuit was successful. And Jonah knew that he couldn't run and escape from God. So when he realized that he was finally caught, when he realized that his sin was exposed, the only thing he could do was to surrender to God and to throw himself, literally, unto the mercy and the justice of God. And as we read through the book of Jonah and you get to chapter 3, we read that God, after God had shown his mercy to Jonah and preserved his life, Jonah responded in obedience to God's call. This is what Jonah should have done from the very beginning. Responded to God's call to deliver a message of mercy in obedience. And that should be our first response too. God's called us to preach the gospel. We as his people need to respond in obedience. It's what he demands of us. So my friend, if you've been running from God today, if you've been avoiding the call to take the gospel to someone, if you've been avoiding the call in your life to be a messenger of God's mercy and grace because you're afraid or because maybe you don't like someone, for whatever other reason, take a lesson from Jonah. Obey and be a messenger of God's mercy. You know, I kind of find it fitting at the end of this passage and at the end of a sermon about delivering a message of the gospel that we're given a picture of what the gospel looks like in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the Lord Jesus came to this earth to be the sacrifice for our sin. 
the sin of his people. But unlike Jonah, he wasn't running from his mission. And unlike Jonah, he wasn't thrown off the side of a ship. Lord Jesus fulfilled his mission. And he went to the cross in a mission of mercy and grace. And on that cross, he bore the sin of his people. And on that cross, he took the full fury of the Father, the wrath of God, so that you and I, as his redeemed, wouldn't have to. And just like Jonah, who was in the fish for three days, so the Lord Jesus was in the grave for three days. But he arose. He arose victorious over sin and death and hell. And friends, that is the greatest mercy of all history. That is the greatest display of grace and mercy in all the world. And we have been called, we have been commissioned by God to take his message, the message of that act of mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. This call is our mission. It's not an option. It's inescapable. And it's a call to which each one of us must surrender each day. So the takeaway I leave with you today is this. Deliver the message and stop running from God. And some of us sit here today, we hear this message, this simple call to take the gospel and might find ourselves squirming in our hearts and minds because we know that we've been avoiding and running from what God, through his word, has shown us we need to do. Some of us may be hit with conviction to know that God has placed someone on our heart and we know that we need to share the gospel with them, but we've purposely been avoiding it. Some of, us, some of us here might be, feel convicted to talk to a friend, a family member, a loved one, someone we work with, someone we, we, we go and hang out with, someone we go to school with, but we're afraid to do it because we're afraid of rejection or some other reason. Some of us here might even be wrestling with the call to have a life-changing mission of surrendering to the call to, to go into the ministry, surrendering to the call to go to the mission field, surrendering to the call, dare I say, to become a chaplain in the army. That wasn't a shameless plug, by the way. But whatever the case is with you, if you've been running from God, if you've been trying to avoid what God's assigned to you, take a lesson from Jonah. Stop running and surrender. And live your life as an obedient messenger of God's mercy and grace. Let's pray. Father God, we again are thankful for your word and your truth. And we're thankful, Father, that you and your mercy and your grace sent Jesus to the cross in our place. We thank you that you bore our sin. And we thank you that through him you've redeemed us. And Father, we thank you that you sent someone to tell us the truth of your word. That you sent someone to warn us of your wrath. And that you, through them, brought us to salvation in you. And Father, I pray for every person that sits here today. I pray, God, that you would move within us by your power through the Holy Spirit to every day surrender to you, to respond in obedience to that call to take the gospel. And I pray that you would strengthen each one of us, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit within us, not to back down when you open the door for us to share the gospel. Give us the words, give us the grace, give us the strength, Lord. And we give you all the praise and honor and glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.